This is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Well, Buccaneer fans, a tough Monday. One of the toughest Mondays that we've probably ever had to come in here on Nothing But Bucks and try to go over and recap what happened in H-Town in Houston, Texas on Sunday afternoon, November 5th, a place where the Buccaneers have never won, going all the way back to their first ever regular season game in 1976. It was in the Houston Astrodome. Steve Spurrier quarterbacking John McKay's Buccaneers, the expansion, hapless Buccaneers as it turned out, against Bum Phillips, Dan Pastorini, Earl Campbell, those names, and the Houston Oilers. Um, and, and it has it has continued that the Bucks have not been able to beat either the Oilers back in the day in the old Astrodome or the Houston Texans in any of these games. You don't play there that often, uh, but it, it happened again on Sunday, and it's how it happened that has many Buccaneer fans right now shaking their head up in arms, fire everybody, get rid of everybody. The one uh, calming thing I will say to you is – I understand the trend is right now four losses in a row. Can't hide from it, can't lie about it, can't sugarcoat it any other way than it's four straight losses. You have 10 games remaining. You have the opportunity at home to turn things around in the short term with a win. And right now, a win is all you can control. It's all you have, and then we will go from there. That's got to be the whole focus this week, and you're going to hear this in the aftermath. you got to turn this around. The, the, the plays were there to be made to win that game on Sunday. The offense, obviously, which has struggled mightily the last three games, did more than enough, did more, more than enough to win that game, especially in the fourth quarter. It's just that defensively, which has been – pretty good most of the year, only had to be decent to be able to win this game with how well your offense played, and you can't put that together. I understand there's frustration, there's angst, but we're here to talk all about it. Anyway, uh, I'll talk you through it. I'll give you some insight and analysis from the floor of NRG Stadium, which was uh, alive and electric, obviously, in the fourth quarter of that game, some kind of battle. We're here to talk about it, go over it. We'll play the highlights from Gene Deckerhoff, Dave Moore, and me on Buccaneers Radio and 98 Rock, our flagship station. We've got post-game interviews. You'll hear from Baker Mayfield. You'll hear from Kate Otten, who had two touchdown catches. You'll hear from Todd Bowles. Not a lot being said, as you can imagine, especially for Todd Bowles' defense, which was barbecued by rookie C.J. Stroud, the number one pick out of Ohio State. I will say this. No, no uh, disrespect to the rookie who uh, had the greatest yardage rookie passing day ever, ever in the history of the NFL in over 100 years. There are a lot of quarterbacks around pro football that would have had that kind of success with how, I'm going to use the words, how soft the coverage is and how much time there is to throw. It's pitch and catch. It's almost like arena football, like seven-on-seven practice at times or flag football. If you're not going to get to the quarterback with the blitz or the pass rush and you're going to play soft zone where guys are running free and teams have figured out where the holes are in your zone, this is what you're going to get. This is what, and there are a lot of quarterbacks who are going to do it to you. He, again, he deserves full credit for taking advantage of it in the clutch on the final drive, but there are probably 20 other quarterbacks in the NFL that would have done the same thing to the Buccaneers in the same circumstance on Sunday in the fourth quarter. 
maybe even 30 quarterbacks in the NFL that can do that. That's the sad part of this. And one of the things I'm saying here at the outset, the head coach is talking about looking at everything, including personnel changes. You've got to look at scheme. You've got to look at stop playing off the ball with such soft coverage if you can't stop anybody while doing it. You have to, have to vary it up and get more aggressive with your coverages on defense. Uh, We'll get into that as we go along. Anyway, uh, we're here on the Buccaneers mobile app, Buccaneers.com, and wherever you get podcasts. I come in and give you the recap. I wish there was uh, some way that I could tell you, hey, they got the win on Sunday, and we were I, I, you were 40 seconds away when you took the lead and one stop on defense away from it being a happy post-game show when you're sitting here talking about being four and four. Now you're three and five. My message to you, though, on Monday is the season is not over. The season has uh, now at, uh, at this point has, uh, what, nine games remaining. Out of all of this, I may have said 10 earlier. Again, forgive me. It has been a a long uh, Sunday night and into Monday here to get the podcast out in and around lunchtime with everything else that's going on. But you have plenty of opportunities upcoming with divisional games and beatable opponents to get in the range of an eighth win or a ninth win in December or January. And I know critics and those that want everybody gone and jettisoned into the sun are going to say you're not going to win another game this year. Wrong. You may win Sunday and be right there at four and five with eight remaining uh, in this season. You may very well be able to put two or three wins together here in November and early December that puts you right back in it with a sixth win, a seventh win for late December and January. And that's all you can ask for right now. So anyway, we're ready to go over all of this uh, that happened and how it happened and some of why it happened and much more. Let's get into this now. For the first time, the Buccaneers were in nrg stadium since going back to the uh, 2015 season uh because you only play there every eight years now it can vary up with the new 17th game uh, being an afc opponent for the nfc teams it it could vary up that we're back there quicker than every eight years but on the actual rotation of playing the afc south at their place that only happens every eight years just like the afc south teams coming here which in this case are tennessee and jacksonville it's only eight years before you're going to see that again. All right, so let's get into uh, what happened in this one. The Bucs end up taking the opening kickoff, um, actually deferring on the opening kickoff, and that was kind of interesting because Vita Vea almost picked the direction that the Buccaneers would like to kick, and had he done that, the Texans would have taken the ball, and then the Texans would have had the choice to start the second half to take the ball again. Uh, Luckily, Land Clark, the referee, looked at him, and then... then, uh, his teammates said, no, no, we want to defer. We want the, the choices. We want to defer our choice to the second half because we've won the toss. All right, so Houston got the ball first. And right off the bat, the Buccaneer defense uh, does make a play early on in this game with a takeaway. Out of the gun, Stamper Goodwood, belt high, dropping back, Stroud, under pressure, gets the pass away, caught ball on the 30, to the fumble football, it's loose and it's gobbled up by the Buccaneers at the 42-yard line. Tampa Bay has the football. It's Antoine Winfield. There is Levante David's 28th fumbled caused, which going into uh, Sunday night's play is the most fumbles caused by any player in the NFL uh, over the course of, of Levante's career among the active players. That's 28 of them now for him, leading Khalil Mack and others. So 
that he punches that ball out as we've seen him do time and again. That's his first forced fumble of the year. Antoine Winfield's third recovered fumble of the year, which going into the late games on Sunday tied him for the NFL lead with three recovered fumbles. So the Buccaneer defense, Johnny on the spot, you would have liked to have gone and gotten a touchdown, but your initial drive stalled after you got that turnover, after you got that takeaway, and you had to settle for three points right here. Chase McLaughlin has made 12 of 14. The spot is down on the far side hash. The field goal is long enough and it is good. And Tampa Bay takes a very quick three to nothing lead a couple of minutes into the first quarter with that field goal. Again, these are the calls of Mean Gene Deckerhoff as the Buccaneers are able to cash in with a Chase McLaughlin field goal. And what a weapon that guy uh, is to uh, this point in the season, including with the distance kicks. Uh, again, you were able to get the one first down, but then you had to settle for the field goal and the 3-0 lead. All right, so Houston gets the ball back, and this is when C.J. Stroud begins to go to work, and this was quick work. Only uh, uh, about three minutes off the clock, seven plays, 75 yards, and it's a slant pass here. Here we go back to playing off the ball and playing soft coverage, and it burns you here down around the goal line. Devin Singletary back at running back. Pistol formation now. He's about three steps behind the quarterback. Looks that way, throws a hard snap. Caught ball, touchdown, Houston, Texas. They fake the handoff to the running back, and Nico Collins with a hard slant toward the post, makes the catch at the one and dives into the end zone. 6-3, Houston, just like that. Nico Collins for 14 yards in the touchdown, and it's a double whammy on the play because Jamel Dean is playing off the ball as the cover corner. And he hurts himself trying to make the play, ends up hitting his head on the turf. He was slow getting up, groggy. Concussion protocol says rule him out. So that's what happened. He would not return. And that kind of, I, I know how this works. I've done this long enough. This is my 19th season on the sideline. So part of that is going to change how you want to cover and when you want to cover. You're not going to be as aggressive because of that injury. You still have other defensive backs, obviously, and Christian Izian and Zion McCollum to go out there and cover but uh, along with Carlton Davis, but it's going to change some of what you're doing. But obviously the Texans were on to what the Bucs were doing with soft zone, playing off the receivers, letting slant passes happen, deep ends happen against the zone where the Buccaneer linebackers and safeties just aren't able to make plays, and that would be a factor as the game went on. All right, now the Bucs come back with a, uh, a nice drive, a 10-play, 75-yard drive. You're aided by a penalty. You get... Um, an unnecessary roughness hit on Jimmy Ward of Houston. He used to be a San Francisco defensive back. He forearms Baker Mayfield going to the ground, so that keeps the drive alive. Eventually, you're able to get five yards with Rashad White uh, on a fourth down. He he hammers in to give you a first and goal uh, situation here. And uh, again, the Buccaneers are able to make plays. In fact, though, let's let's give you this play for Rashad White as he's able to make something happen on this drive with a catch and run as we go back to the highlights. The first quarter, play action fake. Baker Mayfield looks downfield, throws the ball. It's a caught ball. Knight drove to the 35-40, to the 45, middle of the hash marks, all the way to the 40-yard line goes Rashad White. What a great move he gave to make a defender lose clothing. <laughs> and cut to the right, went motoring right down between the hash marks for a huge game. So you got that fourth down conversion, and now you're trying to cash in. We've been talking about the last few weeks, red zone touchdowns have eluded this team. They were really good in the red zone after that initial field goal over and over again, including here the first touchdown of the day. Got 
the three-yard line. Here's the snap to Baker Mayfield looking, has time, has time, throws a pass, caught ball at the one, diving to the end zone. It's a touchdown, Tampa Bay. Cade Otten, the tight end from the right edge, makes the catch on a slam route. So the Bucs making plays on offense. They have the momentum going. You eventually move inside the red zone again. And one thing that we saw, you got a third down completion to Rashad White again, making people miss. He picks up nine yards down to the one, and we saw the no huddle. Get right up on the line, keep the same defense on the field, and bang it in through the middle. And that's exactly what happened right here. First down goal. Huge third. Here's a handoff, Rashad White. It's a walk-in touchdown by number one. Rashad White. Boy, he's the main reason why we scored this touchdown, too. A couple of big ones. That touchdown makes the game 17-7 to at that point. Give credit where it is due to the offense cashing two red zone TDs in, and now you're fine. You're on the road. You're up 10. It's the first time you've had a double-digit lead of any kind, especially on the road since the New Orleans Saints game back on October 1st. So you're in good shape. Now the Texans do get a field goal drive on their own. They're able to march. Uh, and get back into scoring range on a 10-play, 42-yard drive. They get the field goal. Uh, and then Fairbairn, their kicker, ends up, ends up injuring himself on that field goal late in the first half. That would become a factor for later on in the game. So, uh, again, for the, uh, for the Buccaneers after that 50-yard field goal, you, uh, you end up with a 17-10 game, and then the pass rush begins to make, make plays as we go back to the highlights here from 98 Rock and Buccaneers Radio. You were able to get to C.J. Stroud uh, here in the first half of this game on a couple of occasions. Here's the snap, belt high. Stroud dropping, looking, looking, looking. Flush, flush, flush. He sacked at the 12-yard line. Sacked at the 12-yard line. Kalijah Kansi. Just relentless going after this quarterback in a huge sack by Kansi and a guy that's very seldom sacked, C.J. Stroud. 13-yard loss on that play as Mean Gene was calling it. Kansi, the rookie number one pick out of Pitt, showing up large on that sack. That was not all. Uh, again, occasionally the blitz was able to get through, including in this instance. And they're ready to work from midfield. Moving right to left here. Compressor tackled by Devin White, a linebacker blitz. You were asking about why aren't we blitzing a little more during that last time out, Dave. There was Mr. Blitzer himself, 45, in your program. And Devin White just absolutely clobbered Stroud. He had nowhere to go. Devin White comes up with that sack, and the end result is the Texans get no points at the end of the half, and you have a 17-10 lead. I know I talked with Todd Bowles coming out of the locker room and the, and the coach. I said, uh, what's what's done well in the red zone? And he said, hey, we've converted on third down and we, we went with that no huddle. That's something that we've been working on. Get up on the line, keep them in the same defense and hit them with a read option play where Baker Mayfield's got the choice of the give through the middle or keep it. Uh, and it worked well with Rashad White down there on the goal line. Late to half and would work well later in this half. All right, so Bucks get the ball first start the second half and go on a nice drive. They're able to move 42 yards uh, on the opening drive and move into scoring range. McLaughlin kicks his second field goal of the day and the game is 20 to 10. So again, you're back up by 10 points after trading the field goals. Now we had noticed at halftime in the warmup right before the start of the second half that former Buccaneer running back, how fitting in the, in the Buccaneer lore, that these things happen. Former Buccaneer Reserve running back Dari Agunbowale 
who is a, a, a talented uh, running back, pass catcher, returner. He's warming up, kicking extra points and kicking field goals. Well, this would be a factor in the second half because Fairbear and the kicker is hurt. And we could tell that Agunbawale was comfortable at around a 25 to 30 yard kick that he could get that through the uprights, get, you know, get it across the crossbar. Anything beyond about 30 yards, including an extra point, which is beyond 30 yards, was going to be a real risk. And the Texans knew this too. But they had him warming up just before halftime. So the game is 20 to 10. You saw that going on. It would be a factor for later in the day. And this is where I know Buccaneer fans are, are irate. This is where the big plays began to happen against the defense, including right here. 12.32 to go. Play action fake by Stroud. Looking wants to go deep. Those at deep near sideline. Caught ball to the 50. Near sideline. Tight rope down the sideline. To the 25, to the 20, to the 15, to the 10. And into the end zone for a Houston touchdown. 75-yard strike to Noah Brown. So that long pass to Noah Brown, which covered about 30 yards in the air, ends up being a 75-yard touchdown. And I'm going to name the name here. Uh, Ryan Neal in deep safety has just not been very good uh, for this team. And, and the coaching staff acknowledged that because they were repeatedly putting him on the bench on second and long and third and long for D. Delaney, the reserve safety. Here he's in the game in a first down uh, situation. And it's honest, watching the replays, he's, he's back there as one of the last lines of defense in deep safety. And takes another bad angle doesn't get Brown out of bounds at around the 35 where you're going to have a chance to reload and stop the Texans, maybe get a takeaway, maybe hold them to a, a field goal attempt, which they probably weren't going to do. Instead, Brown gets all the way down the sideline because Ryan Neal doesn't get over there and doesn't get him out of bounds as the, as the deep safety. Doesn't make the tackle, doesn't make the play. And I'm not going to belabor this because, again, it's the official Buccaneers podcast, but you're going to hear the coach say after the game, that you've got to look at if guys, if guys can't play the scheme and can't do what we need them to do, you got to look at personnel changes. You got to you got to look at everything being on the table. This is one of those changes uh, right now because that's somebody that is in last line of defense. You're in the back. You're in the third level of the defense. You've got to make sure that that play does not become a 75-yard touchdown. You have to, and yet it did. All right, so the Texans are right back in the game at 20 to 17. The Bucks get the ball back. They're able to move it a little bit, but the drive uh, stalls out. Uh, Rashad White is stuffed, and then Baker Mayfield scrambles and gets a yard, and that sets up this. Chase McLaughlin, what a weapon. Uh, coming over to this team as a free agent, had been on several other teams, kicked with the Colts last year. How about this kick, which, which it once again gave you some momentum and some points back from a long way away. McLaughlin from the far side hash on the chalk at the 45-yard line. Good snap to spot down. The kick is airborne. It's long enough. It is long enough. And it is good again. What a weapon That's Chase a McLaughlin one. had. 55-yard field goal. And the Buccaneers lead by seven again, 23-16. to 55 yards from McLaughlin on that one. Fourth kick of 50 or more already this year. Connor Barth, by the way, has the... Buccaneer record of six kicks of 50 yards or more. My thanks to our buddy Paul Stewart of BuckPower.com, who's always energizing me with the stats. He was on that one right away. So now, again, you, you would rather have seven points, but you get the field goal, and you're right back up at 23-16. Let me go back a step and, and remember that the Texans on their touchdown didn't try the extra point. Went ahead and went for two. They had that mentality. D'Amico Ryan's their first-year coach, their offensive coordinator. Uh, we, if we're scoring, we've got to look to go for two. 
because even on the 50-50 proposition that it usually is, if you don't make the first one and you get the second one, that's like two extra points anyway. So they started uh, going for two. They didn't make it. So the Buccaneer field goal keeps it a seven-point lead at 23-16. But here began uh, the problem that has plagued this team going back to Jared Goff sitting in the pocket and having all day to find people against the zone defense. Uh, Desmond Ritter in Atlanta really didn't take advantage of it as much. They did in some key spots. But, I mean, Jared Allen on the uh, – no, Josh Allen, excuse me, on the Thursday night game for the Bills, same thing. Hanging in the pocket, moving around, keeping plays alive, and finding people wide open in the zone. And the Buccaneers' zone defense let them down again on Sunday big time, including uh, Stroud uh, putting them back in the end zone right here with the rookie uh, Tank Dell. Here's the running back, sidecar left, shotgun, good snap, belt high, looking Stroud, Stroud throws to the right in the end zone, caught ball, touchdown, Tank Dell. That's a 29-yard touchdown for Dell, a Houston Cougar college player as a rookie, coming in and making plays for the big team, for the NFL team in the same town. And again, they went for two and did not make it. They were stopped on the two-point play. So you're up 23-22, and you just you got the feeling here this is going to be a wild second half, standing down there on the field because there's scoring going on every which direction. Can you get touchdowns? Are you able to get in the end zone and get touchdowns? Uh, the Bucks unfortunately, go three and out and end up punting, and then back come the Texans again, making plays, and eventually get down in the red zone. Give Stroud credit because... He made the correct throws. He eventually found the tight end Dalton Schultz from nine yards out. They get the touchdown, and they also got the two-point play in this instance. And so that now makes the game 30-23. to And for the first time since all the way back in the first half at 7-3, you find yourselves down in this game. But the Buccaneers weren't going to quit. And give Baker Mayfield a lot of credit with all the criticism around him, with people uh, saying what's wrong with Baker, bad Baker, happy feet, looking at the pass rushers. He began to click, especially in the second half of this game, especially in the fourth quarter of this game. Baker making the right throw, making the right read over and over again. Gutsy play after gutsy play. So you get the ball back, and you're down at this point 30-23, to 23, and it doesn't take long to make a couple of plays. Kate Otten gets a nine-yard catch over the middle, and then you air one out here for Mike Evans, a deep shot, as Gene called it. Hands the ball, the play action fake, dropping, looking, throws the ball deep downfield toward Godwin. Evans makes the catch, falls into the end zone. It's a touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans falling down into the end zone, makes the catch. 54 yard bomb by Baker Mayfield. He thinks just scored a touchdown. After review, really, the runner is down by contact at huh. the one yard line. First down. Uh -huh. Tremendous catch for Evans. He was in stride, making sure he made the catch. Uh, again, they reviewed it, as you heard in the review, and ruled him down. And I thought Dave Moore made the point right away, and we saw this on the replays. The NFL doesn't know what a catch is anymore. I mean, it's just, it's point blank. They, they talk about things, and then they don't follow things. That bobbling a ball is not possession of the ball. All right, so Mike Evans is in the process of making the catch, and he's bobbling the ball while he's touched. So then he's down on the ground, sliding backwards while still trying to possess the ball. If the ball had come all the way out of his hands and touched the ground, they would have called it incomplete that he didn't have possession going to the ground. He doesn't have possession until he secures the catch. And at that point, his upper body is laying in the end zone and he's not touched. 
by the NFL's own guidelines, that should have been a touchdown. Yet the command center looked at that and said juggling is possession. Remember now, it catches whatever we say it is. Juggling the ball to, to possess it is possession. So he's touched down the one yard line, and it could be big. You don't know. You could fumble a snap. Desmond Ritter did that a couple of weeks ago against the Buccaneers on the one-yard line. You don't know what's going to happen. It could have been big. So, again, they don't know what it, what's a catch. They can't explain it without contradicting themselves on what's a catch. You know, you got to hold the ball all the way going to the ground, and if the ball's wiggling or moving and touches the ground, it can be called incomplete. Evans did a good job, did a really good job on the fly of securing that 54-yard play down to the one. It ends up being a 53-yard play once they reverse it and don't call it a touchdown. But immediately the Bucs are right in the end zone again. They hurry up to the line and say, okay, that's it. Get up to the line after the review. And this happens. Shotgun look now. Second and goal from the one-yard line. Hand the ball off and up the gut. Goes White. He's got it. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Rashad White's got his second rushing touchdown of the day. First multi-rushing touchdown game for Rashad White's career for the second-year player out of Arizona State. And again, he had his best game overall, making catches, making runs where people would miss, hitting the holes, scoring down to the goal line. So now you're right back in this at uh, 30 apiece. The Texans get the ball back. The Texans go on another drive. Uh, again, you're playing uh, soft zone here for a lot of this drive. I know Jamel Dean is hurt. I'm not going to make excuses here. I again repeat what I said at the beginning of the podcast. At this point, you've got to play more aggressively and blitz more because we're seeing dropping seven or eight back in coverage uh, is not producing results. If the quarterback has time to throw, he's finding people in the zones, and the Bucks are confused in the back seven on who has who. The tight end is killing them over the middle. Receivers on a delay are killing them across the zone over the middle. Out routes in the zone sitting down are killing them you got to play more aggressive. I'm not saying you play man-to-man exclusively, but it just seems you've got to work more in. What do you have to lose at this point when you've seen what Golf did to you, Josh Allen did to you, and now Stroud on Sunday did to you? That's one of the adjustments that it looks like it has to be uh, made on that. Uh, again, they get in the end zone on the touchdown. Uh, or actually, they don't get in the end zone here. This leads to the play, and we've been talking about this. In a 30-30 game, the drive stalls. And they line up for Agunba Wale's uh, field goal attempt. Again, this is the backup running back right at about the fringe of where he could kick it. 29-yard total leather. The ball is airborne. It is good. And Dare Ogunbo Wale just Ogunbo Wale a 29-yard field goal. My goodness, the crowd erupts. Don't blame him. 33-30. Texans retake the lead. So now that field goal puts Houston up at 33-30. to 30. Uh, The crowd roaring. Agumba Wale deserves a lot of credit as the emergency kicker for being able to knock one through. He also kicked off fairly decently uh, in this game. All right, Buccaneers are not able to get points and are first forced to punt and pin the Texans back in with about seven minutes remaining. But the defense held Houston in. They got a penalty. Here was the stop that you needed. Uh, to maybe give you a chance to win this game, including Shaq Barrett here. Stroud awaits the snap shotgun look, looking up the middle, up the middle, uh, under a little. Oh, knocked away! It's knocked away! A sack and a strip. Who come up with it? Looks like the Texans may have recovered, but it'll be fourth down. Barrett credited with the sack fumble in that instance. Uh, the fumble caused. Again, the offensive lineman recovered it for Houston. They have to punt away, and now the Buccaneers go on the move. A gutsy drive 
here in the final four minutes of the game, final four and a half of the game. Uh, you're able to scramble with Baker Mayfield on a fourth down. We don't have that highlight to keep the drive alive on fourth and two. And then you move into scoring range, finding uh, Rashad White with a catch. And then eventually you find Trey Palmer over the middle on what was truly a wild play. Evans in the slot to the left, the snap, bell high, looking, uh, Baker Mayfield throws up, slam, caught ball inside the 15, to the, oh, fumble football, it's loose, it's loose, have the Buccaneers come up with it, I think we did, the Buccaneers recover the fumble football, and God, Mike Evans was Johnny on the spot, recovered, we think. Okay, a lot happening as Gene and Dave called it there, this play, I had a great look at it, Uh, I was parallel with the play, down on about the 15-yard line, Palmer makes the catch, he's hit from behind, And as we explained on Buccaneers Radio, he can be the only guy that advances a fumble in the final two minutes of the game. So if the ball rolls all the way down to the goal line even and you recover, it's coming back to the spot of the fumble. Uh, Two or three things here. The first thing is the clock is rolling there. Both teams have timeouts left. This is going to be a first down because Evans recovered the fumble. The ball is going to go back to the original spot. We got two or three problems. The first thing is Land Clark and his officiating crew should have been much more on it on here is the spot of the fumble. We're going to mark the ball back here and we're going to wind the clock because in the flow of the game, that's now going to force the Houston Texans to decide, are we going to take a timeout when this play happened, when it was uh, triggered, uh, there were right around 40 seconds remaining. 50, 40 seconds remaining. So the, are the Texans going to take time out there to keep the Bucks from running the clock before the first down play? Um, and two more things about this. So the command center gets involved because there's indecisiveness by this crew on where is the spot of the ball. And I got news for you, kids. I was saying it down on the field, off the air to our, our people on Buccaneers Radio, Jeff Ryan, our people up there. I'm like, that, this is the wrong spot. Because when you see where Palmer got hit, he got hit at the 11-yard line. Mike Evans recovers the ball down around the 6-yard line. They move the ball back to the 14-yard line, which is the incorrect incorrect spot back at the the 14. I mean, again, you have a replay command center looking right at where Trey Palmer got hit. The fumble is at the 11, black and white on the video, color video. That's where he fumbled the ball. So they botched this. They botched it because they didn't make a quick, accurate call in the field. And so now the Bucs are given the option of a 10-second runoff or taking the timeout. I know there's a lot of criticism on the clock management of not taking the 10-second runoff. Here's the one thing you're thinking. It is first down. I have timeouts remaining. I'm going to take one of my timeouts because I want to make sure of the play on first down. I want to protect the field position for the possible field goal if we have to have it to tie. I want to have the option of having the clock run after the first down play or making them take a timeout. And then I also have a timeout in the in the event that it gets to like third down and you're tackled inbounds. You're not thinking negatively, but you're playing out all the eventualities. So I, I understand where the play was, okay, don't let the 10 seconds go off the clock. We may need that 10 seconds for the touchdown to win the game especially now that they've marked the ball at the 14-yard line and you can get a first down at the four-yard line with new set of downs and burn the clock down. So all of that is going on at once. And then eventually it doesn't matter because on the first play after the review and after the Buccaneer timeout, it's this. 
to Baker Mayfield. Low snap, dug out by Mayfield. Throws toward the end zone. Caught ball. Is it how long to? Is it caught? It yeah. is a, is Tate it a caught. touchdown. Tate Dodden takes the seam route over the middle. He held on to it, and the crowd booing and thought they thought he had dropped the ball, but Auden hanged on. And the Buccaneers have taken the lead with 46 seconds to go. Money throw from Mayfield to Otten. You're going to hear Tate Otten talk about that touchdown coming up in our post-game interviews that we have for you on Nothing But Bucks. First multi-touchdown uh, game of his career. Remember, he caught the clutch touchdown uh, to beat the new uh, the L.A. Rams in the final seconds from Tom Brady last year uh, down around the goal line. Now he's got this touchdown in the final 40 seconds or so in Houston. That is the potential game winner, 14 yards out. Extra point, very important, is good because now that puts you up by four and the Texans have to have a touchdown. And I get the venom and I get the vitriol on what happened next because you're allowing uh, Houston to complete a couple of throws. Stroud, again, is up over 400 yards at this point. And you're still playing the soft zone, keep it in front of you. You let them get to midfield and then you're playing soft zone again. Right in front of me, he fires... To, uh, to Tank Dell, the rookie, who makes a great catch on the sideline, but they knew exactly where to attack the soft zone. Go right behind the initial defensive backing zone, and there are holes in the cover two on the sideline. They knew that, they attacked it, and Dell ends up getting a huge catch of 26 yards and out of bounds uh, with 10 seconds left in the game, and that leads to this killer play at the end running back in motion to the right. That's Boone to the left. Dropping Stroud, dropping Stroud. Pass toward the end zone. It's caught! Touchdown Texans with five seconds left. What a second half for C.J. Stroud as he puts another touchdown on the board. Two of them in the fourth quarter. 470 yards and five scores. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers see a, a, a victory just slip through their grasp. In the final seconds in Houston, an incredible fourth quarter, back and forth, fourth quarter with huge plays, ends with the Bucks not being able to get one more stop. Uh, unfortunate, uh, because you had it right in front of you to get that stop, get the win, be right back at four and four, but it does not end up happening, and Houston, with an incredible win for them, gets the 37-33 victory, most passing yards ever by a rookie quarterback in NFL history. It is the first time ever for a rookie to have a 400-yard, five-touchdown pass game. That's never happened. You might be able to fool somebody, several somebodies, on that trivia question that the likes of Dan Marino or Tom Brady or Peyton Manning as, as rookies, the great quarterbacks, Joe Montana, Troy Aikman, Drew Brees, any of them, pick one as, as rookie QBs, Donovan McNabb even, uh, in the present day or anybody else. No other rookie quarterbacks, Andrew Luck, any of them. Uh, Cam Newton, 400-yard pass day and five touchdown passes in a day. That is what happened. Bucks got the ball and tried the the uh, lateral, throw it all over the field, the Cal-Stanford play, which, by the way, it's the 40th anniversary of the Cal-Stanford play coming up in college football. Not able to make anything out of that. Uh, the Texans end up recovering the fumble, and they have won the game on Sunday, November 5th, 37-33 in comeback fashion after trailing a couple of different times by 10 points after trailing by four points in the final 40 seconds, Houston is able to get the victory. So when this game was done, we went inside the Buccaneer locker room. Obviously, a very quiet locker room. Some guys upset. 
as you can imagine, uh, especially the defense that got shredded. Uh, I mean, C.J. Stroud throwing for over 330 yards in the second half of the game. Uh, no answers, really, for that. We went first to quarterback Baker Mayfield. Let us not forget that he played really well, especially in the fourth quarter with the game on the line. Here was our conversation on our Hooters postgame show. This was a hard-fought battle. What did it come down to today? Um, offensively, we didn't do enough to get touchdowns in the red zone. Too many field goals. Um, not that we necessarily got in the red zone that much. We've got to be better on third downs. Some penalties that knocked us out of uh, some good spots to be able to convert on some uh, shorter distances. So for us, it's, uh, you know, we had we had more touchdowns today. We, we played better. We ran the ball better. But there, it still comes down to the little things. I know everybody's going to say, uh, yeah, they, they scored last. But here's the thing. We should have had more touchdowns from the beginning. So um, we have to be accountable with that. And so it, it comes down to it's kind of the same message. You know, there was improvement offensively, but it's still not good enough for us. You took the lead on the touchdown pass to KDOT. And describe that play, if you would. Yeah. Um, Got into an empty set. Um, had Mike and Chris over in the slot in the boundary, and uh, yeah, they had a one-on-one with Cade down the middle with the Mike backer. So it's a it's a matchup that we liked, and um, Cade ran a great route. Just tried to give him a chance with the ball, and he made a good play. C.J. Stroud ends up throwing for 470 yards and the game-winning touchdown. How much do you just have to credit the Texans? Uh, I tell you what. He's impressive as hell. He doesn't look like a rookie um, by any means. He, he looks like he's got complete control. Um, he doesn't flinch. And so, I mean, hats off to those guys. This guy's uh, he's developed very quick. And so I think he's going to have a hell of a career. But he had, he had his good stuff today, and uh, we didn't we didn't have ours. And finally for this team, you've been through a lot. you just got to regroup. you got to regroup and get ready to go back home, right? Yeah, got to hit the reset button. Um, Gonna have to build up this film offensively, and here's the thing: it's just you gotta stick together as a team. There, there was improvement overall for us offensively, and we're gonna have to carry that mindset and uh, show up next week ready to work again. And there's, there's, there's no excuse. There's no other way around it. Just show up ready to work and do our part, and uh, good things will happen. Mayfield finishes 21 of 30, two touchdowns, 265 yards. Did not have an interception, and again, a fourth down conversion with his feet. Money throw to Kate Otten where only he could make the play on the go-ahead touchdown. Offense did more than enough, did more than enough to win this game with 37 points, with multiple touchdowns. Heck, you basically didn't have 37 points in the in the previous – you had right at 37 points in the previous three games. You got 37 points on Sunday. That's more than enough to win. And we know that the head coach was not happy about this. Uh, when it was over. So here was the chance to talk with him about what went wrong, especially defensively in the second half. What a battle. Four touchdowns in the fourth quarter, two by each team. Obviously, the Texans get the final one to win the game. What are your thoughts immediately after this one as it was a hard-fought last-second game? Great job by the offense getting the lead defensively. Uh, we let the offense down as a defense, and certain guys got to learn how to play better or we have to replace them. There was a lot going on on your final offensive drive where you get the completion to Palmer. There's a fumble. Mike Evans recovers. There's a review. By rule, you had the option to take a timeout to not have the runoff, and then you end up getting the touchdown. Just a crazy final minute to eventually get in the end zone. Can you just describe all of that going on and and what you're trying to process and do, including trying to get seven points? There was a lot going on right there. Obviously, they were trying to get the spot of the fumble, but at the same time, they should have stopped the clock and let the clock run, and we had to use the timeout. But we got the touchdown. We had more than enough time to get them off the field. We didn't do it. How much do you credit C.J. Stroud in that regard, who threw for 470 yards today? The rookie obviously made some plays. 
He played good ball at the same time. We didn't play good defense. For your team right now, you did a lot of things well. I know we just talked to Baker Mayfield a little while ago, and he said, hey, there are things that we still need to improve on, but we saw points today. We made some things happen. What can you build on, even in a tough loss like this, as you get ready to go back home? Offensively, you can build on some things that you move the ball on the ground and in the air. Defensively, we go back to the drawing board. You had Jamel Dean leave this game uh, with what we were told was a concussion. Do you have any further update on his situation right now? Not at this time. And now you get ready to go back home and play the Tennessee Titans. As you just alluded to, you've got to try to put this behind you. You've got to try to improve in certain areas, right? Got to improve all the way around in two-minute situation of football, playing better defense. All right, Coach, thank you. How much can you do in the season with the fundamentals, et cetera? Uh, you can't practice the same way. We talk about this all the time in the full pads with tackle to the ground and blocking to work through things, work through mistakes. It's a different day in the NFL. They don't do that anymore. There's very few padded practices during the season. How much more can you work on? I again come back to, I don't want to be a, bro a broken record on nothing but bucks, but I again come back to, you've got to change some things uh, with the soft coverage and with the zone. Clearly not working clearly at the at this juncture other teams have figured you out and you've got to adjust to the adjustments you've got to come with more uh aggressive coverage i know jamel dean has the injury that we were mentioning with the coach he's in concussion protocol we don't know about his status till later this week if he clears it with tennessee if not you're shorthanded to a degree with defensive backs but getting up and playing the pe the, the press coverage more of the time seems to be worth the risk at this point because sitting back in coverage is getting you torn up by quarterbacks, which which is what I've listed. Uh, a couple of other things, uh, too, here. We're going to hear from Kay Dotton here in just a second. Uh, it's a complimentary game because the defense did more than enough to hold Atlanta down back a couple of weeks ago, and the offense can't get in the end zone. And Baker Mayfield threw a key interception, and then they could not get in the end zone and had to kick a field goal late in the game. Instead, you would have been up by four, forcing Atlanta again to go get a touchdown. You can make the argument, okay, would the defense have stopped them, but – you didn't get a touchdown in the Atlanta game on either of your final two drives that you needed. You got those touchdowns in Houston. So it is a complimentary game, but this time the defense unable to stop the Texans. Again, uh, Stroud, 30 of 42, 470 yards, the five scores. They had three receivers over 100 yards. Dalton Schultz, Noah Brown, most of it was on the 175-yard catch. And Tank Dell as well with 114 yards. Um, just a frustrating day. Let's go and uh, and hear on the Hooters post game show from Kate Otten with the multiple touchdowns uh, when this game was over with Sunday in Houston. What a wild game and a wild fourth quarter in particular. Let's go back to the play that you gave the team the lead on, which is the touchdown with about forty five seconds or so left. Describe the play. Describe what you did. Yeah, we were able to see the look, the play before. There was a stoppage there, and so me and Baker talked to each other and saw that I was going to be one-on-one -on -one with their linebacker, and it was a great ball by Baker. And Yeah. It was this a game that as it developed, in the fourth quarter especially, there was almost a feeling whoever has it last is going to win. Is that kind of the way this was shaping up? Um, you know, I think just when we were on offense, we had the mentality that you know, we're going to score no matter what happens. And... You know, we, we had faith in our defense. They Their offense just did a great job today. And, um, you know, I, I just think back to some drives, some plays earlier in the game where, you know, we did to do our better, our job better on offense. So it's, it's a team effort, team game. It always will be. And, you know, we just, we got to get better on offense. That's, that's the biggest thing I'm thinking about.
As Baker said to us just a little while ago, 37 points is a lot better. You got some touchdowns, but at the same time, you didn't get the win. Still, what can you build on on getting in the end zone as you did four times today? Yeah, I definitely think that is an improvement from you know earlier in the season, the last few weeks specifically. Um, but just being consistent now is going to be a challenge to us. Um, like I said, I'm just thinking about some drives where we just had to get things going a little more and we shot ourselves in the foot a little bit. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll watch the tape. Got to improve on it, and I know we will. Otten led the Bucks six receptions, 70 yards. Again, first multiple touchdown game of his career. Mike Evans, by the way, officially 87 yards in the game, goes over the 11,000-yard mark. He is the first Buccaneer Receiver to ever get to 11,000, just continuing to exceed his own records. First guy to get to 9,000, 10,000, 11,000 yards. He's also passed Joey Galloway, former Buccaneer, uh, among other teams, on the all-time receiving yards list. And I want to say there's a list of like 15 guys that have 11,000 yards receiving and at least 85 touchdown receptions. And Mike Evans is now part of that as well. He would trade that, though, those stats for a win on Sunday coming back home. Uh, from Galveston, Texas, about 50, 60 miles away from Houston, a former Texas A&M Aggie, but Buccaneers not able to get the win here in uh, in this one. All right. Uh, look, I know there's a lot of angst. I, I know. First of all, let me address this, too. Everybody's talking about worst loss in Buccaneer history, most humiliating. Uh, prisoners of the moment, I understand you're prisoners of the moment. But, again, you lost a playoff game to the L.A. Rams in January of 2022 where you had a 21 point comeback and you allowed Matt Stafford to throw a 60 yard pass right down the middle of your defense in the final seconds of a playoff game and then let a kicker who you had released previously Matt Gay kick the game winning field goal to beat you in a playoff game there have been crazy finishes there were two crazy finishes for the positive last year that the bucks probably had no business winning that rams game in the regular season last year with a drive with no timeouts left and it culminates with kate otten catching the winning score in the final seconds of that one you then played a monday night game where you're awful for the most part on offense until the final seconds of the game and again tom brady leads you on a drive just like cj stroud the the goat leads you on a drive and completes one to rashad white in the final seconds to beat the Saints. So you, you've had good and bad with this in, in recent years. And I know it's frustrating, but stop it with the worst loss ever, the, the biggest collapse ever. The, the Bucks have had other collapses where they've blown 21-point leads. They, they blew a 28-point second-half lead one year to the old St. Louis Cardinals in a collapse. Defenses have been lit up. In the past, this is a bad past for the Buccaneers team. A lot of it is bad. You've seen you've seen Matt Ryan for the Atlanta Falcons do it to two different uh, coaching staffs teams, where the Falcons are up thirty five or forty points in the first half of the game uh, against uh, Raheem Morris's Buccaneers in his final game in twenty eleven, and against Lovey Smith on a Thursday night. You're down five or six touchdowns in the first half of the game. So when you're talking about worst defensive performances, just keep in perspective these things ebb and flow. And the defense has been good at times, good at times this season to help you get wins earlier in the year. Get stops and get wins at Minnesota. Get stops and get wins at New Orleans where you dominated the Saints in the second half of that game in their building. 
Let's see if they can regroup. Let's see if the scheme changes uh, some. And, uh, you know, I know there are some guys, uh, again, uh, in the secondary. Carlton Davis is one of those guys. You're paying him a lot of money, and it's his receiver getting by him in the zone defense. We'll see what the coach means about accountability and and what's going to get done uh, defensively to change things. You will have the Tennessee Titans coming in here. It's interesting that that's the former Houston Oilers. We were talking about Houston. They moved to Tennessee back 25 years ago, moved into Nashville, played in Memphis actually the first year as the Tennessee Oilers, then became the Tennessee Titans in Nashville. They come in for the first time in eight years here to Raymond James Stadium. We look forward to that game Sunday at 1 o'clock. All you can do is try to regroup, play well on both sides of the ball, and get a win. A win at that point puts you at 4-5. and five. Again, if I'm if I'm asking Santa on the wish list, just get us to the to around Christmas time and New Year's with a seventh win and or an eighth win, and then you're in the hunt to be in the playoffs. Can the Buccaneers, with a lot of veterans, turn this thing around? A coaching staff that's also got to get it together for a full game together on both sides of the ball. Let's see if that can happen for this week. I know this will be on the air at noon with pregame coverage on Buccaneers Radio with uh, Jeff Ryan, our director of broadcasting. Uh, Jason Floyd, our engineer, let me publicly say thanks to those guys. They were dealing with an awful lot of technical stuff behind the scenes uh, on Sunday to give you Buccaneers radio on 98 Rock. Gene and Dave and I get to call the game. Those guys went through a lot of headaches. Uh, the Shorentino brothers, Michael and Chris, thank you for all the help because those guys were scrambling. There were there were times where we were not able to hear the broadcast down on the field because of technical problems. There were technical problems uh, as well after the game. We persevered through it is what we do on Buccaneers radio. And uh, and hopefully you didn't notice much of a difference in the product as it was. And, of course, we give you the recap podcast here with the highlights and the interviews. Thanks also to Derek DeBose helping me uh, with the highlights from iHeartMedia, John Mamola and his group, Ronnie Night Train Lane, Pat Donovan is part of Buccaneers radio coverage. Ronnie and Pat are on the pregame coverage on 98 Rock. The local pregame show will begin at 10.30 a.m. Our network coverage begins at noon. Will Levis, the new quarterback, the second-round pick from Kentucky, Won an early game, lost on Thursday night to the Steelers. We believe Levis is the quarterback coming in. DeAndre Hopkins, Derek Henry, the Titans. Here we go with the Buccaneers trying to get back on the winning track and snap the four-game losing streak. Let's see if they can do it as we've got that coming up uh, here on Sunday. We'll be back after it's over with on Monday with a full recap, highlights, interviews, and more. Keep it locked in on the Buccaneers mobile app, Buccaneers.com, for this recap podcast. I'm TJ Reeves, and you've been listening to Nothing But Bucks.